away. Huberto walks in, makes a move, and he scores! Jonathan Huberto! And he scores! Alexander Markov! What a move! He's giving the Panthers the lead once again! Welcome to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. Here are your hosts, Jameson Olive and Doug Plakins. Hey everybody, welcome into Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers, presented as always by Baptist Health, the official sports medicine provider of the Florida Panthers. Doug Plagans, Jamison Olive here with you to talk about the red-hot Florida Panthers that at the time of this recording are 9-2-2, coming off a big win on the road over the Tampa Bay Lightning by a 6-4 final score. The Panthers took two out of three in that little three-game set from their cross-state rivals, the defending Stanley Cup champions. And they look good doing it, winning whatever kind of game you want to throw at the Panthers. They've shown the ability to to be able to win games this season. And the Panthers tonight, of course, back at it against the Carolina Hurricanes. Make note of it, a 5 o'clock start time for the Panthers at Carolina this evening. Shouldn't call it a night game, call it an evening game. We'll be with you for the drive home Panthers hockey at 5 o'clock coming up a little bit later on today. A big test for the Panthers, their first matchup against the Carolina Hurricanes. We can touch on that and more later on. But first, Jamison, just looking at the body of work as a whole here for the Panthers. And of course, we will get some questions from you, the listeners, coming up in just a little bit. But looking at the body of work as a whole here... The Panthers have a lot to be happy with through the first 13 games of the season, 9-2-2, two and two, and a couple of wins against the defending cup champs. Yeah, before we get to that, I have, a, I have an interesting question here, and if anyone listening can answer me, I, I'd love to know. Tweet me at Jamison Coop is, when was the last time, if ever, we played a game on Wednesday at 5 p.m. in franchise history? I, I can't think of... I can't recall it in... Not just my Panthers tenure. I can't recall it in my whole now 13 seasons of broadcasting pro hockey. I don't think I've I've called games at midnight in Las Vegas. I've never called a game at 5 (laughs) p.m. on a a weekday, on a Wednesday. (laughs) You know what? We have some time. I'm going to try and find this out, but I got to think it could be it could be a franchise first. So history could be made here uh, tonight in Carolina. So that's exciting. But Doug, you mentioned, of course, how things are going for the Panthers. Nine, two and two. A start that's, I think, even well beyond a, a start that you know fans would have initially said, okay, that's great. This is beyond a great start here uh, for the Panthers this season, especially taking two out of three from the Lightning with some sound from the guys after that win in Tampa Bay here in a second. But, you know, overall, you look at that three-game series there with the Bolts, you know, the Panthers in complete control in that first game, the Lightning in complete control in that second game. And then the third game was just such a back-and-forth, you know, surges left and right for each team. And in the end, it was the Panthers that came out on top. So, uh, you know, for Florida, uh, another one of the funny things is, as after that game, I thought, you know what, you know, if the Panthers take two out of three from the Lightning, you know, know, everyone's going to get on board. You're going to see Twitter going crazy. National media is going to say, who are these guys? This is great. They just beat the defending Stanley Cup champs. You know, they're in second place in the division. But, you know, the moment that game ends, I go to Twitter, and all I see is the Ottawa Senators came back and beat the Toronto Maple Leafs. So Which was incredible. What do we we have to do, Doug? Yeah, it's always something. But I look forward to seeing the updated power rankings once those start coming out here from, you know, TSN, ESPN, places like that to see, you know, what kind of respect they're giving us. Because the Panthers, they deserve, you know, the respect of the league right now with how they're playing. Like you said, you know, here we are, 9-2-2. Two, and two. We're deep enough into the season that you can't say, okay, it's a fluke, or okay, who have they beat, you know, blah, blah, blah. Uh, they beat some great teams. Because even going back now to looking at those two games, on, you know, against the Blackhawks to start the season, the Blackhawks have proven this year they're not a bad team. They're beating yep. a lot of people. Uh, and, and then, of course, taking two out of three from the Lightning's 
massive as well. But the Panthers, they beat some teams this year. They've done well. There's more tough games coming up. But, you know, 9-2-2, two, two, 2 out of 3 from the Lightning. Uh, I don't think a lot of people saw this coming, and I'm really enjoying it right We're now. We're coming up on the quarter pole of the season. I did the math last night on the post game. 23% into this 56-game condensed schedule. So uh, I believe that was the calculation. I had to use the calculator function on the phone to be able to get that math in a hurry to get the immediate information out there to listeners. Which teachers the always told show. us we would never have that opportunity. They always said you're not going to have a calculator on you at all times. Here it is. But here it's we are. not a TI-83. <laughs> The uh, last night it was the uh, or at the time of this recording, uh, the Panthers in the Tampa Bay Lightning, the last game the Panthers played, of course, a 6-4 final score. The Panthers picked up the win there, but it goes beyond now. We're far enough in, as you said, Jameson. It goes beyond just saying this team's had a good start. This is where, and you and I had the Panthers in the top four. You and I had the Panthers in the playoff mix back on the preseason prediction show here on Territory Talk, which is always one of the benchmark episodes <laughs> of the calendar year that you can't miss. I think we both they, had them at three. I think yes, three is where we had them. We, we, we had the Panthers in the playoff mix, but we're far enough into a season now that if there were people out there who didn't, this is where you go back and you say, you, know, you can start to say maybe where you were wrong, where you were right in your predictions, because right now this isn't just a good start for the Panthers. It's a good team. The Panthers are a good team, plain and simple. They have shown now, the as far as their division goes, yeah, they haven't seen Carolina yet. They haven't seen Dallas yet. And those are, in my mind, the two other teams, aside from the Panthers and the Tampa Bay Lightning, that are probably going to be in that mix based on the body of work that we've seen across the board from everybody in the season. They haven't seen those two teams yet. And in my mind, they're two of the top half teams in the uh, in the central division so there are going to be some tests coming up and they're going to get a heavy dose of the dallas stars especially next week that's the next home game for the panthers monday at seven o'clock by the way ticketmaster.com floridapanthers.com we hope to see you out at the bbnt center for that but uh, the panthers they're a good team and they're a team that has shown they belong not only in that top half of the central division not only in the playoff mix but this is a team now all of a sudden i know it's three games against the tampa bay lightning they took two out of three nine two and two Two or barely at the quarter pole here, and a lot can happen. But this is a team now that looks like it can shift its focus to challenging for a division title. I don't think that's outside the realm of possibility at all. Yeah, and like I said earlier, we have some sound uh, after that, uh, that that win against Tampa on Monday night uh, from uh, Joel Quenville, uh, Anthony Duclair, and Chris Dreger, uh, who picked up the win there in the net. So uh, let's hear from those guys real quick. I like how we stuck together in a real competitive game, an important game from our perspective of where we're at uh, in the division and uh, the needing of points, knowing that everybody seems to be picking them up right now. And, uh, you know, I just thought going into this uh, three-game set with them, uh, you know, coming out ahead is, uh, is a feather in our cap, but, hey, we can't rest on any laurels and uh, knowing there's a lot of hockey to be played. And, um, and uh, hey, let's learn that uh, we still can expect more from one another and let's look to get better as well. But uh, that was a real positive uh, set with them. Yeah, it's awesome, uh, especially uh, with the first uh, effort we had at home. Uh, that was really impressive. Uh, you know, we had a lot of people obviously down us um, uh, early on in the year, but uh, you know, I think we proved a lot of people wrong here uh, this past three games, and um, you know, we're gonna obviously going to see them again. So uh, we want to make sure that uh, you know, we're playing at our best uh, against these games. Huge, huge. I mean, people are saying this is the best team in the league and we just beat them two out of three. So, um, you know, we, I kind of played some teams um, 
early that were maybe a little, little bit lower in the standings. And, uh, you know, we got our feet under us in, in, in those games and won. And, um, you know, this was a big test for us. So um, I thought we played a fantastic game today. Um, you know, they, they, they've got a lot of talent over there, a lot of skill. So we, we shut it down in third um, and, and just put pucks in the back of the net. So it was a, it was a great win for, for us. Well, you heard there, Doug, you know, Coach Q saying we're not going to rest on our laurels. You know, it's great, but, you know, we still got a lot more hockey to play, which is, of course, true. We've talked about that before. Uh, you have, you know, Chris Dreger there saying, you know, hey, people were saying this is the best team in the league, and we took two or three from them, so we feel pretty good. You got to agree there as well. And I think, you know, the best quote there, I think, was Anthony Duclair saying, you know, obviously, you know, not everyone was as high on the Panthers as we were heading into the season, and that he thinks they're at the point now where they're starting to prove people wrong, which I, I agree. I think they are, because I remember even, I mentioned power rankings earlier, preseason power rankings. Most people had, you know, the Panthers, you know, in the 20s, I think, and now here they are creeping up, you know, they should be in the top 10 at least in everyone's power rankings, probably top, you know, six, seven at this point, uh, even with some some negative bias, you know, facing them, you got to think. But, uh, and I think that's just because people, you know, obviously we're here. We're here every day. We see these guys every day. We're on the ground floor. I just don't think people that aren't here see the value in, you know, certain unknowns as much as we do. Whereas, you know, Ed 2 Lewis Ryan coming in as, as a 3C, he's been great. You know, I think he has six points right now in 13 games. But, you know, if you don't watch the Panthers, you're like, you know, this guy's got any, eight NHL games. Who is he? Whereas, you know, we're here watching him in training camp saying he looks great. So uh, that goes for a lot of guys. You know, obviously a lot of people are saying Patrick Hornquist is, you know, is he over the hill? You know, and we're saying, no, he looks great because look what he's doing here. He's crushing it. Carter Verhage, we're saying, oh man, he looks good in camp, but everyone else is saying, you know, you know, who is this guy? This guy was a fourth liner on the on the Lightning. So it, it's just so many things add up, and I think that's where, you know, things change over time is just, you know, people being wrong on a lot of guys, not necessarily out of malice or out of just uh, anything other than, honestly, just uh, mis- not a lot of information, just not knowing these guys. And mm-hmm. and, and, and I'm, that's why I'm really excited to see that as the Panthers continue this hot start, that guys like, you know, Verhage, Louis Ryan, and Tippett, you know, with a big goal the other night, so many of these guys are now, you know, starting to get headlines that they deserve outside of South Florida. Oh, when people look at a schedule, you know, you look at a schedule and uh, there's a, a brief period in the beginning of the year where your perception of a team, how you view that team coming up on your schedule is largely influenced by how that team performed last year. And we've moved past that. This is this year now. Barky says that every time. Yeah, this yeah. is this is this season now. And you need to look at it as this is the body of work that these teams have, have put forth this season. The Panthers you know they're they're a good team you there are teams around the league that might look at their schedule now and view that matchup coming up with the Panthers differently just like there are teams that might look at a matchup coming up with Nashville now and they see wow this team's really struggling you know same same thing you have a team that's going the the opposite direction uh you know when you look at at another team in the central division you look at a team like Chicago that has exceeded expectations the Panthers got the best of them early on but really since the Panthers took those two victories from Chicago they've gotten things back on track they could be that fourth they're team in the playoffs hanging around. Not, yeah they're hanging around yeah, they're hanging around and in my mind just like we've seen enough of a sample size here from a lot of teams to know what they're about I look at the Chicago Blackhawks I'm not ready to say that team is a playoff team but I can say that team's going to battle to the wire. They're probably going to be in the mix right down to the final couple of weeks, and they're going to be playing meaningful, meaningful games, and they're not going to be raising the white flag anytime soon. Mm. So it's, we've learned enough about a lot of these teams in the division to know what it's all about, 
And for a lot of folks, it's all about changing your perception of what these teams are all about as you approach the matchup. Yeah, and uh, just my, my last favorite stat here to get to before we, we move on to a couple other things is I, I, I said it after the game last night, but the Lightning, you know, obviously one of the best teams in the league all around, all aspects. But defensively, we talked about there, you know, obviously with Andre Vasilevsky, you know, Victor Hedman, uh, you know, they were, you know, for the most part of the season, they've been the top defensive team in the league. In fact, going into that matchup on Monday, they were the top defensive team in the league. But over the course of those three games, the Panthers scored 12 goals on them. And you look at who was scoring those goals. It wasn't just Huberto. It wasn't just Barkov. It was Hornquist. It was Verhage. It was Duclair. It was Tippett. It was Strawman. Like the list goes on. And I think that's another thing people are starting to realize is as people start to you know get a little bit more familiar with the Panthers lineup, this team's a lot deeper than people give it credit for. This isn't just a Barkov, Huberto, Ekblad, and everyone else. This is a very deep team with a lot of guys chipping in every single night. You know, all four lines rolling. Uh, so I, I think that's something that people will really start to realize here as we go along. And one last thought on the Lightning matchup. Up, uh, as well the Panthers all things considered did a pretty good job against Braden Point he had the two goals in the first game which which is Panthers, hard to the, do which the Panthers won yeah the, he had the two goals in the first game which the Panthers won and that was the night that really Braden Point was going but nobody else in the Lightning could seem to get anything going because of what the Panthers were doing defensively and then in the next game oddly enough Tampa Bay scores six times and Braden Point's seven game point streak ends <laughs> so that doesn't make a whole Hockey. lot of sense but things uh, things happen like that and then uh, in the last game the Panthers really clamped down on him as well uh, you know we didn't see we didn't see Hedman have a, a crazy amount of open looks overall the Panthers kept those big guns at bay and even in the in the last game the only one that Stamkos played of course he scored on his patented one-timer early in the game a puck that went in and out of the net faster than I think I've ever seen any puck go in and out of the net ever and was pretty quiet the rest of the game after that so Panthers did pretty well against uh, against those top end guys. Uh, it was the you know the uh, the guys further down the lineup for Tampa Bay that were the ones doing uh, doing some of the damage. But we saw that on both sides. It was the you know the the depth scoring was on full display. And, and you mentioned that that's the thing. It is a both sides thing now because uh, in the past the Panthers could go into a game and shut down you know Braden Point, Steven Stamkos, uh, you know when he was healthy, Nikita Kucherov. But then at some point in the game it'd be you know the Yanni Gords of the world, the, you know the Andre Palats, the Cedric Paquettes back when he was there. It'd be, you know, those guys, those were the guys that ended up beating the Panthers. But, uh, and that was how the Lightning won. That's how they won the Stanley Cup last year. Yes, they had a lot of top tier talent, but they were also incredibly, incredibly deep, you know, picking up Goodrow and Coleman at the deadline. Uh, that's what, you know, wins you Stanley Cups. And here for the Panthers, you know, they're starting to get that depth now, not just with, you know, guys like Tippett starting to come into their own, but, you know, with all the moves Bill Zito made this offseason to bring in guys like Carter Verhage, like Ryan Lomberg, who's been, you know, a physical presence the last couple of games, uh, like Radko Gudu who's been spectacular. Uh, you know, Marcus Nudevara's looked good the games he's been in there. Uh, of course, Patrick Hornquist, we mentioned a million times. And the list goes on. And then that's the thing is you, you need depth. You need depth to really, you know, support the, the top-tier guys like Barkov, Huberto, and Ekblad on the Panthers. It seems like early on here certainly have that. And, of course, uh, you know, like we said, this is a, a point where we can judge the Panthers and say they have been a good team. They look good. Things have been going great. There's still a lot of hockey to be played, like Joel Quenville said. The Panthers will, probably will, you know, they're going to face some adversity here at some point. Uh, you know, they've been so great at bouncing back from losses this season, 4-0 after losses right now. There's probably going to be a point where they lose maybe two, three, four games in a row. There's no reason to believe, you know, from what I've seen, that this team can't fight through that adversity now. Uh, they're going to push through. Uh, they built a nice cushion here early on, and I think that's all, all you can ask for. This team, you know, has exceeded expectations, and it's been really you know, every game's been just exciting to watch they're putting on a show out there yeah it's been uh, been high entertainment value that's for sure and hey for this week on territory talk which by the way as always is presented by baptist health the official sports medicine provider of the florida panthers something that we haven't done in a while but when we've done it 
We've really enjoyed it. I've started doing it over at FloridaPanthers.com. I don't know if folks saw a little thing called hashtag Dear Doug that Jamison actually named. It's a mailbag format. And we actually open it up to questions from you right here on Territory Talk. So we've got some inquiries coming in from the listeners, Jamison. I understand. Would you like to uh, begin telling us a little bit about what you have over there on the Territory, the official <laughs> Territory Talk mailbag machine? You should see this thing. It's crazy. Also, also known as my phone. Yeah. <laughs> you should see it. Wow. Um, Look at that. Um, looking at, you know, what we got here. Like I said, we have, a, we have a good amount of questions here to get through. We're not going to spend too much time on any of them because we want to roll along here. But the first one is, and these touch on everything, on ice, off ice, you know, it, we're all over the place here. And that's what I love to see in these questions. But first one is from Sir Braun 227 uh, Got to be a Game of Thrones fan there. I know that's the first you've heard of it, Doug. I don't think you ever saw an episode. I think I watched like five seconds of it once. <laughs> um, he asked, basically, we have, you know, Wenberg and Louis Ryan, and, you know, both, you know, second and third line center this season. But he says, you know, do we need more depth at center? And, you know, does Anton Lundell, of course, who's having a great season over there in Liga, you know, the Panthers' first-round pick this year, uh, do, you, do we see him coming over this season and maybe help things out later on? That is, you know, I guess, what do you think, Jameson? You never want to say never, but I think the, the plan this year, and Bill Zito said it from the outset, was to let him finish. Let yeah. him hone his skills over in Finland. He's playing, he's playing professional hockey over in Finland. Very young guy, obviously. And he's going to get a lot of great, uh, you know, he's going to get a lot of great experience over there to help his development. He's going to get to play, uh, uh, you know, great minutes. He's he's at home and just honing his skills. So it's uh, it's a, a big thing for Anton Lindell to to get through his season over there. And Bill Zito said that right from the start. He, he did. And one thing to also note is that he's uh, on a team over there, HIFK, who's a great team, one of the top teams in the league of this season. So uh, he's probably making a nice playoff run over there as well. So his season's not going to end for quite a while. So like Doug said, anything's possible, but I, you, you got to think he's probably going to finish out the year there uh, in Liga before anything else happens. But looking at the centers the Panthers have now, uh, Alex Wenberg's really come online here lately. Of course, he's been a great defensively all season long, but now the points are starting to come there on that second line, that chemistry with Hubert and Hornquist is really starting to develop. Uh, so he's actually, you know, I think he's been, you know, really producing nicely as of late. And at Tulos to Ryan, and we talked about earlier uh, in the show, I think it's six points in 13 games here for him. Um, and and that's, you know, exceeded expectations. You know, he's the guy that, you know, won that job out of camp. You know, uh, he's a rookie. He's, yeah, heading into the season, he only had eight games of experience. And I really like what I've seen from him, him with Frank Vetrano and Owen Tippett on that third line. They're a great energy line. They generate a ton of chances. You know, Tippett had a goal the other night. Vetrano had a goal the other night. Lewis Ryan picked up an assist. Um, so so we, we saw at one point this season, Lewis Ryan flipped up and took the 2C for a bit from Wenberg. Wenberg. Wenberg went down to the 3 spot. And I can see that maybe happening a couple more times this year, depending on who's hot, who's feeling it. So, you know, kind of by committee, I think the Panthers are fine at second-line center right now. And, you know, this year's trade deadline, who knows what the heck is going to happen with how crazy things are. Uh, so you, you got to think right now the Panthers, I know, especially with how things are going, they're confident in that you know that, that one-two punch of, you know, Wenberg and Lewis Ryan as 2 and 3C. Yeah, you have a lot of guys out there that, uh, and Joel Quenville said as much and this is a big thing that he's not really concerned about any line being out there against any other line so from that perspective the Panthers in a in a really good situation not just down the middle but really with the the entire uh you know the entire 
forward group. But uh, but again, the other the other thing there with the uh, with the centers, it's a, a great situation for the Panthers to be in because you've got guys that are contributing really well, and obviously everybody in the hockey world, not just in the Panthers world, but everybody in the hockey world has great things to say about Anton Lindell. Seems to believe that he is you know a guy that's going to be an impact player sooner rather than later, and at the same time, so with the the situation that's there now. There are there's down the road going to be a, a potential position that he could fight for. So you know there are uh, there are lots of options for the Panthers and everything that's there right now. Uh, of course, with Barkov, Wenberg, Listerine, and going right down the middle, and Yuho Lamko's filled in and done a, a really nice job as well, playing responsible hockey, which we know that he is capable of doing. He showed us that a couple of years back when he was with the Panthers. The Panthers. Uh, down the middle can match anybody up with uh, with anybody, and that's a, a big strength for a team that has postseason aspirations. All right. Uh, next question is from Paco Derm, Christian Sanchez. He asks, uh, basically, are there any guys who we think might get the call from Syracuse to the taxi squad anytime soon? And he's hinting at Grigory Denisenko. And one thing I'll say there is I don't see that happening simply for the fact that, you know, they're not going to call Denisenko back up here to sit on the taxi squad and not do anything. They want him to play this season. This is his first season in North America after three seasons in the KHL. Uh, really young kid, former first-round pick. They want him to get as much ice time and, a- and action as possible. He's getting that right now in Syracuse. Scored his first AHL goal the other night, uh, you know, playing on the power play, uh, playing a lot of minutes. So I just don't see him spending time on the taxi squad this season. If something happens, if he's having a great season in the A, you know, really coming on fire, especially maybe middle or later in the season, and they need a goal score up here, something happens up here where they really need someone to put the puck in the back of the net, maybe then, but he's not a guy that I think is going to get called up just to sit around. So, you know, looking at outside of that, I don't see the Panthers probably calling up any defensemen from Syracuse, just given the fact that they are so deep right now. That being said, if they do, Riley Stillman's going to be that first guy. He's had a great start to the AHL season, uh, and if they do need a guy like him who has experience, who has that physical presence, uh, I could see him coming back up here, and I do expect him back up here at some point this season with how good he has looked down there and how good he has been when he you know was here with the Panthers. But outside of that, you know, maybe that first forward up, it's hard to say. But at this point, just given the fact that we've seen him in two games, we saw him score a goal, maybe it's Alexi Hepaniemi coming back up at some point, uh, which would be great to see. But right now, kind of like Dennis Senko, he's down there right now because the Panthers want him playing top six minutes, you know, in all situations, you know, really, you know, fine-tuning his game as a young guy. Yeah, and Joel Quenville liked Hepaniemi. It's a good call there. He liked his hockey sense and not just offensively, which is – you know, really over the course of the last couple of years, looking at stat sheets, that's what we started to know Heponiemi as was a, an offensive guy. You look at the point totals that he put up when he was playing junior and things like that. It was hard to not just think, wow, this guy's a dynamo with puck. But Joel Quenville liked his his overall uh, his overall hockey IQ, the way that he approached the game offensively and defensively, and he showed that he's capable in uh, in that area. But the guys that are in the American Hockey League right now clearly the biggest the biggest point of emphasis for them is to play and get minutes and get minutes in key situations so for a guy like Denisenko who you mentioned unless unless a prominent role the role that you envision him being in is uh, is is available right now it's probably most beneficial for him to just continue uh, honing his craft in the American Hockey League and I could I can speak as somebody who who worked four seasons in the American Hockey League time in the AHL has never hurt anybody uh you know you can you can benefit a lot by playing in the american hockey league and the panthers are really in a position of luxury right now where they don't have to rush a guy like gregory denisenko into the national hockey league there are teams in the league that if they had a guy with that raw talent 
but maybe not the not a finished product yet, but that raw talent, they might have, due to a lack of depth in the organization, might have no choice but to throw them into the National Hockey League. The Panthers, fortunately, because of the great work that Bill Zito's done building this roster, they're in a situation where they don't have to rush a guy like that into the league. They can let him play in the American Hockey League because the North American game is different. There is a learning curve there. It's a process. So he can play in the American Hockey League, hone his craft there, and come up when he's ready and the Panthers feel that he's ready. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Look at Owen Tippett. You know, played all last season in the AHL, looked great, led the team in scoring down there, led the team in goals, and now he's up here with the Panthers doing great things. Um, next one from ZD102. Um, this is specifically for you, Doug. What's the your favorite game that you ever called? Well, big thanks to ZD because he chimed in on the first installment of the Dear Doug Mailbag He just has a lot of questions week. for you. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> so we thank you very much, ZD, for the, for the participation, for listening, for reading, and we thank everybody out there who, uh, who partakes in all of the different things that we post on uh, FloridaPanthers.com and the various platforms. But uh, most memorable game that I'd call, well, it's there's a few that come to mind, so in no particular order. We don't though, have all day. Yeah, we don't have all day, <laughs> but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in no particular order, even though this is a logical place to start. My first game I called with the Panthers, opening night 15-16, the Panthers beat the Flyers 6-1, to one. Um, just were all over the Flyers from the start. I mean, it was an onslaught. You is that when that Troach game? scored Jameson, like really, Troach really early? Scored very early on. That was the first goal I called in the uh, in the National Hockey League. Yeah, that was almost like historical. It was like one of the quickest goals ever to yeah, start a season. It was. Yeah. Uh, it it might have actually been at it the might time have been, the fastest yeah. Panthers goal to start uh, to start a season. So um, yeah, the Panthers were were all over Philadelphia in that game. I remember uh, UC Jokinen scored as well in that game. It was. Uh, it was just a, a one-sided battle. The Panthers uh, topped the Philadelphia Flyers opening night, 15-16. So that one stands out. I remember as well um, the game when Yarmir Yager moved into second all-time in points in the National Hockey League. And uh, a fun story there because obviously the puck went off his pants, back of his pants, mm-hmm. to Alexander Barkov, who scored. And the Panthers were down by a goal in the game to the Boston Bruins. As Forrest Gump would say, it hit him in the buttocks. Yes, yes, it did. <laughs> and uh, and so at first, of course, we're all waiting for this, this, you know, just monumental moment. This is a hockey history moment that's about to happen. And Yarmir Yager is going to pass Gordie Howe and move into second all-time in points in NHL history. So this is a huge deal. And... It's a fluttering puck that goes off his pants, and a lot of people couldn't tell at first if Yager got a piece of it. And Randy Muller's waiting to run on the ice well, at this point. Yeah, he's, he's down there between the benches <laughs> ready to run on the ice and do the, do the quick interview, and we're going to have a, a ceremony and the whole thing. And I thought it did, but I tell you what, Eagle Eyes sitting next to me in the booth, Bill Lindsay, who has, I mean, you could tell he just has such a – a knack for seeing what's going on in the ice and all those years of playing hockey. I mean, you just get a feel for how things are going as soon as it happened to make sure that I knew that that puck hit Yarmir Yager, he's point pointing to the roster sheet, pointing to 68 to saying that he, he touched the puck and got that assist. So I think there was probably a split second where Bill Lindsay might've been one of maybe like three people who was, <laughs> extremely confident that uh, that that puck had uh, had hit Yarmir Yager and that he had just moved into second all time in uh, in points. And then I think another another thing to point to is the whole just the whole 12 game win streak in 1516. Um, that was just a, a crazy, you know, about a month, really, uh, when the Panthers just were on this roll. And 
um, it was it was just something that that whole win streak was just uh, it was just a wild time. It, it was. I remember that. A lot of fond memories there. Uh, did you call the twenty round shootout? Was that before your time? That was before I was yeah. born to the Panthers. That was before yes. you were born here at the Panthers. But that for me, that's always the t- the top game that I've ever been at. Uh, here that was the season before I got here. Oh, you, yep. missed, you missed a good one, but there've been many more since then. Um, Andrew Levine five asked. Well, this will be a quick one. Do we pour milk? Um, in a bowl before or after the cereal goes in when we're making cereal. Yeah, when I was a little kid, I experimented with the milk first. I did, I did too. I think we're all curious as kids. I mean, I'll yeah, try these, and these I, because you always see everybody making their bowls of cereal, whether it's at home or at a hotel continental breakfast or wherever the situation is, and you think, wow, everybody puts the milk on the cereal. What if I put the cereal on the milk? And here's what happens. You don't know how much milk belongs in there with the cereal. And then you get the cereal that kind of floats on top of the milk because of the distribution of it. And it hasn't fully submerged yet. You need to put the cereal in first. I'm all about, you know, if if you... There's no other question. And and I understand if you haven't, if you want to see it for yourself, go for it. It's going to taste the same, probably. You just might have more milk in there. I'm very particular about how much milk goes with the cereal. I don't want the surface of the milk (laughs) to be above all of the cereal. I want to see my cereal and get a feel for how much is left in the bowl. And if I dump the milk on after the cereal goes in, then milk has touched all of the cereal. Even if all the cereal is not under the surface of the milk, the milk has touched all of the cereal. And I think because of that, it just really provides a, a uniformity to the taste of your cereal. And as you can tell, I take my cereal very seriously. You do. You're very cereal about cereal. Yes. Um, Remember that from South Park. Yes. I got a, I, I have one little quick follow-up there is obviously, so I think probably 90%. If I had to guess here, it's a, it's a broad guess. but I'd, I'd say maybe even more than I'd 90%. say maybe 95% do the cereal first, milk second. But as a follow-up, when you pour the milk, do you do a straight pour in one area or do you, you, you get all the cereal and go around? Are you moving the milk? Yeah, I kind of just dump it on there. See, I do a kind of, I do kind you of do a, a distribution. Yeah, distribution. Kind of, kind of like when you pour like you know, uh, like chocolate syrup on ice cream. I do like that line, that Z kind of through it. Depends how big the bowl is too. Good friend of mine who you've met will drink a glass of milk and eat a bowl of dry cereal, but not put the milk on the. I've cereal. done that because I saw that on an episode, I believe, of Dexter's Laboratory, and it's actually fun. It's not, it's not bad. But you have to make sure you have a good hand cereal. For me, it was life cereal. Yeah. It, it's good to eat dry, and then you, 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 chase, I love you sna- chase it with some milk. Snacking on cereal out of the box. Dep- it works best when it's something like Crispix or Chex yeah. or a mini wheat, something that's a, a Fruity solid or something big is too object. small. It can't yeah, be small and Honey flaky. bunches of oats because it's got too many different items in there. You got flakes. You got those clusters. You got pieces of cinnamon or floating around, bananas, strawberries. There's too much. You can't grip it well. That's why it needs to be something like a Chex or a mini wheat. Is it a Chex or is it a Chex? I think it's a Chex. It's a Chex. You need a Chex or a mini wheat. Or even Cheerios, because they're all, it's a, they all are the same. Yeah. You can't get them mixed up. They're easy to hold. But beyond that, flakes are tough to eat. They are. With your hand. And I dump, I'm very particular, (laughs) I pour the cereal into my hand instead of reaching into the box. 
And Doug, uh, of course, Territory Talk presented, as always, by our friends over at Baptist Health, the official sports medicine provider of the Florida Panthers. We have two more questions That's here Jameson's to get to. That's Jameson's way of saying, stop, we're getting this back on track right now. We have two more questions to get to. And the funny thing is, I thought the serial question would be the quickest one, but of course, knowing us, it ended up being the longest answer. I think the folks will love it. If you didn't, you can tweet at us. <laughs> well, you it, can it's tweet really, at us if you love it, every, too. Everyone has their own you know, serial stuff, uh, serial superstitions. And speaking of superstitions, the reason I use that word is because Yodi Wan won. Uh, Jarrett Rusky asked, do we have any game day superstitions, you and I? Because, of course, hockey players have their superstitions. Do we, being on the outside, looking in, have any? And I have one. My only one, it's not, it's, it's not necessarily game day. It's more like in-game, is I always make kind of a little graphic post-game for win or lose. And I only make it if we win. And I usually don't, I can't make it until the last two minutes. And the thing is, even if it's a, even, even if it's a tie game or something, I always make it. But I can't make it before the last two minutes for fear of jinxing everything. The... I, I tend to have the same routine that I do everything, but it's more so just I do that just to make sure I'm not forgetting anything. Um, it's not necessarily a, a superstition. It's more like I have an order of how I do things just to make sure that all the proper bases are covered on game day. But I have a I have a story about superstition, and I think the I think the people will like <laughs> let, this. Let, I'm going to make it a rip. decision. Let for it rip. People. So. I was interning for the Syracuse Crunch in the American Hockey League, 07-08. Derek McKenzie was on the team. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was 07-08, and the Syracuse Crunch, they went on this miraculous run. They won 15 straight games to end the, uh, end the regular season to get into the playoffs. So they went, they went on this big win streak. So we'll take you back to before the win streak started. My good friend and I, who was, also, who was the, the other intern, um, we were both aspiring broadcasters, both working in the industry today. And we went to Burger King before the game and the crunch won. And then the next game, we did not go to Burger King and the crunch lost. So we're like, Oh, what did we do wrong? We didn't go to Burger King. <laughs> so we went to Burger King the next game and they won and they went on the 15 game win streak. And we went to Burger King every time. Until by the very end, we're like, I I know it's given mojo, but like after 13 games, we're like we got got to go eat somewhere else because it was just getting to be too much. You had trouble game. breathing during broadcast. It was point. getting to be too many double whoppers because we ordered the same thing every of course, time. Yeah, of course. So it was just getting. To, so by then, the the superstition we'd built up so much superstition credit that when we did skip the Burger King, like. They're double digits into the win streak at that point. We did skip going to Burger King. They still won because You're absolved. we had built up so much superstition goodwill. Mm -hmm. We went to a place, this upstate New York sub place called Drek Subs instead. But that is the Burger King win streak story. Have you been eating any Burger King this year? Can we can we, can we give you credit for for this Panthers? Uh, haven't run? been. I to be honest, I haven't been to a Burger King in a you while. You and I go to Taco Bell. I guess we can take some credit there. Yes, <laughs> we enjoy that. The uh, digital kiosk, the digital Very kiosk, nice. Taco Bell. Um, so actually, I have two more because one's really quick. This me, yes or no, Doug? Um, from Jeff Bodron. Um, do you consider Die Hard a Christmas movie? I say yes. Yeah, you know, it's it's around Christmas, right? It's Christmas themed. There's yeah. Christmas trees in it. It's a Christmas movie. Um, two, does pineapple belong on a pizza? No. Yes, love it. I, after after cheese and pepperoni, ham pineapple is my second go to. It's my one. It's my one a to my one. I say no. I don't think the seeds things mix. Um, and I then, put pineapple <laughs> on anything. Uh, the last one is from at dragons underscore quest. Great name. Um, basically, just how would you kind of quantify? 
Radko Gudis's impact uh, on the team this year. And I got to say, obviously, he, he's been fantastic. And if you didn't hear our interview with him last week, go and check it out. Our most recent episode before this episode, great 15-minute chat with him. You learn a lot, including the origin of his butcher nickname, which is great. Uh, one of my favorite uh, probably interviews we've ever done here on Territory Talk. I really enjoyed talking to him. But, you know, taking things back on the ice, you go back to that game on Monday in Tampa Bay when he sent Barclay Goodrow into the fifth row of, mm-hmm. of, of Omni Arena. Absolutely blew him up. And it was, you know, it was great. The Panthers feed off that. He's, you know, he has, it seems like he has, you know, seven to eight hits every game. He had eight in that game. Um, but one thing I'll say, and you notice the impact is, you know, when the Lightning really made their push in the second period on Monday, Radko Gudis wasn't there. He was down the tunnel. Something happened. Uh, he got, whether he got banged up, whether it was an equipment issue, we don't know. But he was out of the game. He wasn't on the ice. And the Lightning started to really push back and take advantage. The moment he comes back out there to start the third period, Strawman scores that goal. Lightning don't do anything. And that's where he also had that big hit on Goodrow. Um, you know, his impact is just so important, uh, whether it's the actual defensive play, you know, the mental side of, you know, just having the butcher on the ice and opposing teams have to worry about that. Uh, you know, he's actually, he did some great moves on offense as well. He's yep. got some moves out there. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he chips in a couple goals this season. Uh, but, you know, the hits, the physicality, uh, like I said, the, the the mind games out there, uh, you know, the chippiness, you know, I, he's already had a couple, a couple fights this season, especially in that series against the Lightning. Uh, uh, we talk about the culture change. We talk about, you know, how quickly it's happened under Bill Zito. And, of course, a lot of that had to do with how many new guys Bill brought in. It wasn't two or three. It was a lot of new guys. Uh, but you look at maybe some of uh, the most important new guys when it comes to the culture change. I look at Patrick Hornquist and Radko Gudis. Those two guys just have really helped change the complexion here of the Panthers uh, in a hurry. Yeah, Radko Gudis, the thing that I've learned the most about his game is the shot that he possesses. He's got a really hard shot, and uh, he is going to have a few hit the back of the net, no doubt about that. But the thing with Radko Gudis, and you talk about the hit totals, you see the, the defensive fundamentals that he brings every night, and that's all part of it. But at the same time, a part of the equation that you can't quantify, and I touched on this in the, in the mailbag last week on the, uh, on the website as well, you can't quantify – the fact that other teams have to pay attention when Radko Gudis is out there. And he's not a guy that's going to go out and fight 35 times a year, but because of the style he plays, you could tell he knows that he's ready, that they're, you know, he might, uh, there are people who might retaliate sometimes. He doesn't go looking. People come look, people, people come, come, people come start him, fights with him. But yeah. at the same time, again, he's not a guy that fights 35 times a year, but there are full rosters in the National Hockey League of players that don't really want to fight Radko Gudis. He's not, <laughs> it's not something that's on the top of people's to-do lists every day is to get up, go out, and play a game and fight Radko Gudis. It's not something teams want to do. So because of that, I think it brings, as you mentioned, it, it adds to the overall confidence and builds part of the swagger that this Panthers team has shown in the early part of the season. And you mentioned swagger. You mentioned swagger. I got, I got to say, if you haven't seen it yet, head over to my Twitter, at Jamison Coop. There's a clip from the game last night after Radko Gudis fought Yanni Gord. He's in the box. He just looks over at Gord. He says a couple things casually and gives him a wink. And that's the type of swagger that this team's been missing that I love so much, and that's the swagger you need to have to win in the National Hockey and that was, And you could tell... That was a prime example because when you're watching that, Radko Gudis throws the hit on Barkley Goodrow, and Yanni Gord comes over because he's a good teammate, and you could see immediately Yanni Gord's like, "Oh man, I don't want to do this, <laughs> but I have to." And you know, and that's the that's the situation. That's nobody's gonna want to fight Radko Gudis. And the best description I've heard this used from a number of people over my years in the in the sport. I think when Radko Gudis is on your team. 
it makes everybody else stand up a little bit taller because you know that there's a guy that just brings a presence to the ice. And, uh, and I think that's something that you can't quantify, but it has definitely shown through in the overall approach that this Panthers team brings in every single night. Great contributions, everybody. We thank you very much for the questions about hockey, cereal, superstitions, you didn't ask about Burger King, but we covered it anyway. We do it all here on Territory Talk, and we thank you very much for uh, for bringing the great uh, great questions and concerns and inquiries to the table. Territory Talk is always presented by Baptist Health, the official sports medicine provider of the Florida Panthers. That's about going to do it for us this week. Big thanks to all of you for tuning in. Busy week for the Panthers, so you want to make sure that you keep on checking the schedule. A 5 o'clock start today, Panthers and the Carolina Hurricanes, so put that in your day planner your palm pilot there it is outlook calendar uh write it down on a post-it note and put it on your refrigerator however you keep track of things that you need to log in your day-to-day life make sure you do that because this is a different time today five o'clock the game's gonna start i don't recall ever having one of these in my broadcasting career five o'clock wednesday but we've got one today and we're gonna have one next week too so get used to it because you're going to have another one coming up. The Panthers will be in game two of the road trip against Carolina. And then Friday and Saturday, they'll be in Detroit. And then they're back home to start a homestand Monday at 7 against the Dallas Stars. Ticketmaster.com, FloridaPanthers.com. Get your tickets and go to FLATeamShop.com. Get the best gear before you come out to your next game at the BB&T Center. We hope to see you out there. Big thanks, everybody, for tuning in, for making Territory Talk a part of your week. New material each and every Wednesday at FloridaPanthers.com slash Territory Talk. iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. We are there. Thanks for being with us. For Jamison Olive, I'm Doug Plagans. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to Territory Talk, the official podcast of the Florida Panthers. For all your Panthers news and information, follow FLA Panthers on Twitter.